0: Hello everyone, you're listening to Game Rivals a podcast where a Nintendo fan and a Playstation fan talk about the latest games and happenings in the gaming community and industry I'm one of your hosts, Maximilian X and together with Sean Templar we bring you this bi-weekly podcast about video games
1: Alright Welcome back, everybody, to a new episode of Game Rivals. I'm one of your hosts, Sean Templar, and I'm here with my other co-host,
0: Maximilian X. Hey, uh, how's it going, Sean Templar? I'm great. How are you? I am dying. Not (laughs) literally. It's just, like, if if anybody's paid attention to, like, the news forecast for the Netherlands lately, it's been unseasonably hot to the point where... um, Yeah, I'm just a melting man. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing these past couple of days. Melting away and just barely being able to even lift a finger or go to work or even sleep since it's so hot that you can't even sleep. It's just crazy. Uh, What about you, man? Are you surviving the heat?
1: Uh, Barely. It's so hot that uh, yesterday I was just... Sitting at home, everything is open, all the windows, and just sweating where I'm sitting. And <laughs>
0: ah, you know, are dr- sticky too. Yeah,
1: drinking a lot of water, you know, just to stay hydrated because it's important
0: mm. in this weather to stay hydrated. I bought a lot of ice. Oh man, like a lot of ice. Like anything that I'm drinking, I'm just pouring ice in it.
1: There are so many water bottles scattered all over the place. Somebody would think I'm some kind of
0: addict, but it's just water bottles. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: uh. Yeah. Now, we, have, of course, have this sweet water bottle that keeps everything cool when you put in it. So, at the end of the evening, when I try to go to sleep, I actually put some ice in there and some water. And then the next morning, when I'm all hot and sweaty and bothered, I just open it, and that is still icy cold, and the ice is still in it. Oh, that's, that's nice. Amazing. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I should oh, use yeah. the
1: flask more.
0: Yeah, Yeah, man. The flask is awesome.
1: But oh, It also works really um, well with heat.
0: Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Keeps sure. Keeps your hotness hot. Oh, I don't. I don't know what that. That really just sounds weird. It's. I'm sorry. It's the heat. Man, I blame I blame the heat. Blame the heat. Um, in other news, so, <laughs> let's, let's, move, on on let's news. move on to the news. To the news. All right. <laughs> cool. Um, you had some grievances that you actually brought up to me like just today that I wasn't even aware aware of. So I'll just let you take care of that, and I'll uh, jump in whenever.
1: There are two articles i want to discuss and one i'll discuss right now and one i'll discuss till the end because it might take a bit more time because it's a Chrome issue or both are actually Chrome issues mm-hmm. but uh, the other day i saw an article around a youtube or a twitch streamer who um, was playing a game and she threw her cat over her shoulder and she sparked a huge online I don't. I wouldn't say controversy, but a lot of hate. Uh, the girl's name is Alanity,
0: if I pronounce yeah. it correct. Yeah, Natalia Alanity Mogolon. That's, that's Mogolon or something right.
1: like that. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, she's uh she's had issues in the past before. I didn't know about those. You told me that uh, she uh, did some other crazy stuff.
0: Oh no, that was more. That was the like after. The whole turn oh, the cat over. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah, This okay. is recent, like last week. Okay, yeah. yeah.
1: And, and the issue that's arising is that people that were watching her stream have been uh, kind of commenting on that what she did is, is unacceptable. Uh, it's in a way in a conflict with Twitch's um, policies or streaming policies, to put it that way. But also yeah. she's in a way getting um how to put this delicately she's getting she's offensive getting away with it no but yeah she's getting she's, and she's you was someone would say she's getting away with it but there's also a controversy that she's getting inappropriate messages or inappropriate comments from people that refer to her in a sexual way so twitch hasn't really taken a stance in this matter yet because on the one hand it's her violating one of their policies which is in a way her um Bringing harm to an animal on on streams, and in the other way, she's telling street, uh, Twitch, "Hey, uh, I'm being um, I want to say harassed, but I'm I'm getting inappropriate co- comments thrown at me, and that could be seen as uh, sexual harassment." Uh, so there's the other side of the conversation, and Twitch doesn't really, at least visibly, doesn't know what to do with it, um, and it's one of those growing issues within the Twitch community that which is kind of measuring in two different sizes if we translate the Dutch saying to English. So, yeah, it's...
0: Please, please, please don't do that. Yeah, yeah. That's a a, a big, bad peeve of mine. (laughs) It
1: sounds sounds really bad. Anyways, they're not holding them up to the same standards. Let me put it that way. For example, Dr. Disrespect, a big known streamer on Twitch, was banned at E3, for example, because he was uh, streaming out of a toilet, out of a bathroom, and he only mm-hmm. got a sla- which is
0: which was Ill- which is illegal in the state of California. Yeah. So he should he got a ban, but he, it only lasted for fourteen days. And for something like that, according to the terms of service from Twitch, he should have gotten thirty. Yeah. So it was only he like a slap like on, on the wrist, fourteen or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, he got yeah. a
1: slap on the wrist and. Uh, uh he didn't actually lose any views or viewers so his uh viewer count slowly climbed again it's it's climbing more i believe um and i don't think he actually did something like an apology video or something not that i could see
0: oh no he he was just like i'm coming back yo and then he was back yeah yeah as far as i could tell he never did something like that so i might be wrong who who knows i might be wrong i don't follow the guy let me same here um
1: but at least what's happening is that, so the, the guy gets a slap on the wrist two weeks out and then he's back and he just continues on with what he did. Whereas for example, uh, this uh, streamer girl, I'm just gonna call her streamer girl, it's easier. She also, for example, had an instance with uh, PewDiePie in the past last year, I believe that they got into an argument and that it ended with her filing a copyright strike against PewDiePie, I believe. And YouTube takes copyright strikes really serious because mm-hmm. with YouTube, it's three copyright strikes and you're out. Your channel gets banned and it's over. So there's also a way of abuse of power here, maybe. But the main well, thing to take away from is, is that it's just not everybody's held up to the same standards. And there's this well, sort of stuff is happening more and more.
0: True, but he also called her a thought, which is also kind of disrespect. Like whatever kind of beef you have with a person, you don't just call them something like that. I mean you know what a thought is right Yeah like, I know what it is Yeah so um so it's so
1: let me put I, it this way
0: I don't know why he called her that but I do get why the re- why the reaction was copyright strike which she should not have done by the way I don't condone the fact that she did that but I can get why she would be upset enough to do something um like that Yeah I mean uh In these
1: situations, emotions play a part as well. You know, it's heat of the moment. People say things. It's just not fair if uh, the system is abused. We saw this with uh, The Verge as well. Uh, Last year, they made a video around building a PC, which was not the right way to build a PC, unfortunately.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just the thought of it just keeps... Yeah, they just said the, the,
1: the strangest things. And I look on The Verge every day, because I kind of like their way of writing. I sometimes don't like their way of reporting because I know that, for example, with some brands or with some phone reviews, they're really biased compared to other phone reviews or products. They're like looking for negative things. Yeah. But in general, I kind of like they sometimes do these really in-depth items around, for example, Facebook and the moderation behind it of the content that's inappropriate. Those are really good articles. But for example, when they did the PC building video, I was completely shocked because it was also sponsored content by Capital One, which is kind of a big bank, I believe, in the States. Mm -hmm. So I thought, how can a big bank in the States want their name attached to a video in which they really poorly show you how to build a PC? Spoiler alert, they're a bank. They don't know any better. Yeah probably. (laughs) And and what happened to get to the point is that a lot of people made reaction videos on this and it was really Mm -hmm. fun. A lot of people poked fun. And there was this YouTube channel called BitWit, which I follow. It's a really cool tech channel. And the guy uh, has this uh, kind of this act in which he pretends he's his twin Asian brother. And he really talks with the stereotypical Asian and he makes fun of the Verge video and the Verge didn't like it. And the Verge filed a copyright strike against this channel. And the YouTube community was kind of shocked by this because The Verge had also, for example, disabled comments and likes under the video. So in a way, it looked like they knew they were making a bad video, but they didn't want people to acknowledge that it was a bad video on top
0: of the video. But he wasn't the only one that got the copyright strike. And you're forgetting one very essential point is that these two videos got taken down. Mm. Months, like months after they aired, yeah, like months, months had passed. People had forgotten about it. I don't even know how they found out about it on, on, on The Verge, but they found out about it and had those two taken videos taken down. And, uh, and it brought it back up because at that point, I even I didn't know that that video existed of The Verge. I only found out about it when the copyright strikes occurred.
1: I saw the video once, and I'd never. I thought, okay, this is just a really weird way of building a PC. Also, because I kind of built a PC not too long ago, and when we were building the PC with that friend of mine, we were making jokes around uh, ESD safety and a spudger, and, th- and we had we um, had uh, tie ribs, and he said, "Oh, don't forget to use the tweezers to wrap up the cables, because that's how the merch called it, tweezers," and also with the thermal paste. He said, yeah, uh, you want to uh, use a, an ice cream spoon <laughs> to rub it out all over the CPU. And I'm like, oh, dude, we no. can't keep making jokes on this because it's it's not going to end well. Um, so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> but that was also like an abuse of power situation. And these are issues that are becoming bigger and bigger. And creators are are getting kind of, how to put it, they're getting fed up with this. And they're taking a stance. And um, people are looking for other ways to earn money besides YouTube and Twitch. And if there's if there's one platform that will pop up out of nothing and offer the best of both worlds, I think a lot of creators will switch platforms because, you know, better terms, better money, be, equal treatment. Because YouTube's also been going through this change that there's a lot of stuff happening and there's a lot of reactive responding instead of being proactive. But that's maybe a discussion for another time but yeah, yeah this this twitch thing this youtube thing and not holding everybody up to the same standards is becoming an issue
0: uh, but here's the thing it's not like it it's not the fact that it's not been an issue it's been there the whole time it's just more and more people are starting to take notice of it and more and more people are actually responding to it in the way that you would normally think that people would respond to it yeah And it shouldn't, well, it shouldn't take something like this to, because, because I don't know, I don't, I don't even know how to, like, How I don't even know how they would approach a situation like this, other than just going all full blanket on everybody, and just enforcing with zero tolerance. Yeah,
1: they, they need to apply zero tolerance policy, because you can't. Slap someone on the wrist and ban someone else, you know.
0: Exactly. Yeah,
1: zero tolerance is the only way to go forward because you want to treat everybody equal.
0: Yeah, that's true. Well,
1: we'll, we'll see how it unfolds. And if it really gets bigger, we'll probably talk about it again.
0: Yep. And speaking of getting big, um, I have an article that actually just developed over the past week. Uh, which involves a game that actually came out this week, Fire Emblem Three Heroes... uh, Three Heroes, sorry. Three Houses for the Nintendo Switch. And it's not about the game itself per se, but the voice actors that... uh, A voice actor that uh, plays the uh, one version of the main characters um, who got into some uh, really shady stuff and basically uh he's uh getting recast, so it's about the voice actor uh chris uh, nuy, which some uh of you guys may know as the uh voice actor slash animator of back in the day purfer um who used to make like a bunch of um, newground videos he was like in that scene he was very popular alongside people like ego and stuff like that, but basically um there was a controversy around uh, evolving around him, where he was accused of um, abusing people um, uh, physically and also mentally. Um, and then last week, he actually admitted it on his uh, Tumblr. Um, he apologized to how, about how he uh, mistreated his friends and colleagues and significant others, and physically and mentally and stuff like that. And he apologized on it on his Tumblr, which, okay, like that that is already like a big slant. You don't want to associate someone like that with your video game, right? I mean, it's the same thing that happened a couple of months ago with uh, the game Judgment that came out on PlayStation 4 um, that where Sega had to actually pull the game from the Japanese store shelves because one of the voice actors got caught with cocaine possession and he admitted to cocaine use, um, and in Japan, that's like a big, really big no-no. Like, cane usage is like a big no-no. People will instantly cut ties with you. You make it
1: sound and, like other countries condone the use of cocaine, no, and it's but, only like in Japan, in which they have like, no no no, oh, no, "No, no, no, we don't want you to use cocaine. It's okay in other countries as long as you don't do it in our country."
0: No, but but, but like really think about it. Like for example, if something like that were to happen in the US, people would I would. Like, the general public would either be super disgusted, but as long as they didn't cross any bridges, they might lose some sponsorships and, like, that's it. This guy is going to jail for this stuff. Like, you don't go to jail for cocaine use. You might get a slap on the wrist because you're a rich person and you can afford it, but you're not going to go to jail. This dude is going to jail. So, yeah, that that for... For that game, it was a big deal. Luckily, it didn't delay the Western release of Judgment. Um, but yes, stuff like this tends to happen. And he admitted and he admits this on his Tumblr, uh, this Chris this Chris uh Neo AC. And then something else also came out. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he let out a bit too early that he was going to be one of the main characters of Fire Emblem Three Houses, even though Nintendo had not officially announced the voice actor lineup for the game on his Discord. And like he profusely mentioned it a lot during, I think, like an AMA on his Discord. Like, yeah, I'm going to be a Byleth and Fire Emblem Three Houses. So that also violated his NDA about talking about Project the project that he is working in, while the was still not officially announced. So Nintendo this week announced that yeah we are going to recast him from both Fire Emblem Three Houses and the characters also in the mobile game Fire Emblem Heroes. So in the in the mobile game they first uncredited him in the game. So when you look at the character portrait, you normally see. The voice actor's name accredited, but they pulled that away, and then I think today, um, they actually patched the game again, and now it has a new voice actor.
1: <laughs> wow!
0: So, barring anything, this new voice actor is going to take over uh, for Chris. Um, do I have the name of this character from of this guy here? No, I don't have the name of this guy here right now. Um, but yeah, the person that's taking over for him is, I'm assuming, in the recording booth right now, recording uh, the, the the lines again for Three Houses. And Nintendo's already confirmed that they're going to patch out the old uh, lines with the new voice actor sometime in the future. So it could be a week, a month, a couple of weeks. Who knows? But uh, yeah. Um, So remember, kids. Don't break NDAs when you sign them because uh, you will be kicked out so hard. It's uh,
1: funny that you should mention that because I was about to, I wanted to talk about a game that I recently played. And I t- t- told you, like, hey, I, uh, I want to talk about a game today, but I signed an NDA to play the game, but I know that it's really an NDA that I should adhere to. Not that I want to, like, break an NDA, but because I think, like, Okay, but it's not really that the publisher reached out to me. It's more like I got a key from a friend, so I could try it out. I'm like, no, 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 we should stick to the NDA. You never know what happens. Exactly. So I, I don't d-
0: want to burn bridges here yeah. at uh, Game Rivals. So I have to keep my we, mouth shut we, about it. We, an we don't game. have any bridges yet, but we don't want to burn them preemptively. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so that's it for uh, the controversy surrounding uh, Fire Emblem uh, Heroes. Got it.
1: Anyways, um, this might come as a surprise to some people because normally I'm always defending this company, but in this case, I'm kind of questioning this company. Well, not questioning, Mm -hmm. but shedding a different light. I came across an article in which they were discussing Crunch at a little studio called Naughty Dog. And for some who might not know who Naughty Dog is, they made just a few small games, such as the Uncharted franchise and The Last of Us. Crash Bandicoot Bandicoot and Jack and Daxter, so their games are not that super popular, not super known, I mean, come on, who plays their games, right? But um, the article was around uh, crunch and crunch is not really a subject that has come often around Sony Studios, and the article revolves around that Naughty Dog doesn't encourage crunch or they don't say that crunch is there or that care crunch is mandatory, but it is frowned upon that if your co-workers are working more hours or are putting more hours in that you and you don't follow those hours, it is frowned upon. It might affect your performance review. It might affect your future within the company. And there are a few apparently people who have worked at Naughty Dog that have confirmed this. I don't know into what extent it is true, Um, But that was a surprising article. It also said that, for example, and I read an article at a different development studio two weeks ago, I just can't remember the name of the studio, in which, for example, there's a huge difference in treatment if you're, for example, a developer, such as a programmer or an animator, or if you're someone who is in QA testing, so quality assurance testing. And Basically, if you're a developer, you get all the benefits and the perks and the food and the amazing parties and whatnot. And if you're a QA tester you kind of get the shitty treatment in which you can only grab food when the developers have food, meaning you just have to deal with the rest of the scraps and whatnot, and that you're not allowed to mingle with them or talk to them or party with them. The other article I read a while back really specifically went into this, the Naughty Dog article specifically only mentions that they can only, for example, grab food after developers have grabbed food, for example.
0: it kind of makes it sound like the um, QA testers are treated as Second class, citizen. Yeah,
1: because they have to make more overtime, and they get the blame of everything. At least in in the other article I read about this different other studio I really just want to know what do is But it really painted a horrible picture of being a qa tester You don't get to park in front of this of the the of office. You have to park somewhere really really far away. Uh, you don't get to have the same food. You don't get to mingle with people. You're not allowed to talk to developers uh you have to work overtime if there's an issue wrong with the game you get the blame for it and you have to work extra to fix the issues what yeah it's really really strange because if a bug is for example occurring in the game they blame QA you know just really these horrible Um, finger pointing issues isn't it QA's task to find the bugs uh yeah but if for example a bug is missed or appears later then they point the finger at them like you didn't do your job properly Um, I'll try to look up the article around this company if I can find it and mention it in another episode.
0: That is so weird.
1: Yeah, but this is kind of a trend that's happening in the industry that crunch is happening and workers are treated really bad. That's why unionization is such a big talking subject right now and that a lot of people are trying to, to create a union. But I don't know if unionization will save these people because we mentioned this in an earlier episode, unionization doesn't always guarantee you that your workplace is going to be better. It's more around if the terms around the job are going to be better, but they could say A and do B if you
0: get the job. Mm, yeah, true. But, well, first of all, this is the first time I hear about QA testers being treated like this in any company. I mean, I've heard that QA testers are always treated, you know, lesser than than the people working at the de- at the development studio mostly because most QA testers are, you know, contract hires. Yeah, um, they work at the studio for a couple of months, or heck, there are even some studios that hire a company that hires QA testers. So they're not even working from the country. They they are working like via via with said company, and um, yeah, it's just. But here's the funny thing, you know, like blaming the QA testers for bugs that were missed is stupid because there are so many games that come out that even though if you can have like so many QA testers as much as possible, there will still be a random weird bug that nobody tried to look for because you have to basically, you know, like spin around three times uh say the alphabet backwards and then hit uh select and start and then suddenly something weird happens like your face turns inside out the of the of the game character. Yeah. You know? Like okay that's not an actual example, but you get what I mean, right? It's a really weird and rare occurrence. That is not something that as with as much QA testing that you can do, people will figure it out. I mean like just recently um Breath of the, in Breath of the Wild, people actually found a way to glitch through the ground in a certain part of the world where you can actually see what's underneath the surface of the water, which, by the way, looks like really nice. I don't know why you're not allowed to dive in that game, but uh, if you could, really pretty coral you could find there. <sighs> but, but to my point... Why are QA testers like at all, like beyond this revelation? Why are QA testers always being treated this way? You know, like if you're going to temporarily hire them, then make sure that they at least feel welcome and not just do grunt work, which is basically what they do. Yeah. And the whole, and this whole, oh, we don't, well, we don't encourage crunch, but. We do also mind it when people go home early while other people are working late. So, eh, standards, things need to change, man. I mean, not just for, not just for uh, Naughty Dog, not just for Bethesda, not just for um, Bioware, for like the whole industry. This shit, this, this stuff needs to change. It's becoming a trend that
1: it's it. Let me put it this way, and maybe because we're not skilled enough or don't understand the whole process around it, that it's, uh, it's easy for us to talk about it and how it turns out in reality. But the way I see it is you would only have to use crunch if you're either running behind or you have to make a sprint to meet, for example, a deadline or a release date. But to be okay, able yeah. to get to that point, mean that means you don't have your planning in order or you're somewhere around uh, in the line of working towards the game coming out, there's a kink that occurs and that means you have to resolve that. So if you pour planly, then that's the result is that you have to crunch. But it looks like that crunch is kind of included in the process of creating a game, knowing like, okay, we have, there's going to be crunch because we know it's going to be crunch. We're already predicting it's going to be crunch or it's normal to have crunch, whereas you're not even there yet. So how can you kind of incorporate crunch in your development cycle if you're actually using, is it a last resort instead of it being something completely normal and part of the development cycle? It's almost like, hey, if you're going to be a developer, you know, the things you have to deal with is uh, ambiguity or, you know, maybe long hours. Uh, Oh, and crunch. It's absolutely normal. You know, that's just part of becoming a game developer because, you know, game development is around all the glory and the eternal honor. It's not around good pay or good benefits or good terms. It's just, you know, we're rock stars and it's okay if we burn out and make 80, 90 hours, weeks, you know,
0: why not? Mm. Yeah but that's a perception that 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 is honestly not a perception any job should give at all um so i don't know i think maybe maybe it does start with that with the perception of what the job is supposed to be what it entails and what it really is instead of just over romanticizing it i think it's
1: being over romanticized a lot yeah and then we're lucky to live in a country in which crunch is not generally possible because of laws protecting employees. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's because we're lucky to live in this country. But if there are other countries that don't have these laws, well, good luck with that. Maybe that's the reason why Ubisoft has sometimes 12 studios working on a game at a time. To get- oh, and you don't think that they don't work on crunch? Oh, they probably crunch as well. But, you know, it's kind of hard to imagine that if you have 12 studios (laughs) working on a game that you need to crunch because we've gotten to the point in which... Oh, I bet you they
0: crunch like a crazy person. But
1: the funny thing is we've gotten to the point in which games are made from small groups of two or four people to groups of thousands of people. And we still haven't found out the magic number or the magic way to make it work without crunch. Eh, that's true. I mean, I mean come it's on. It's,
0: def- it's like it's definitely something to look into. Um, but it's something that industry definitely needs to look into as a whole. But at least if you work at a good company, they will do the right thing, and which is, of course, delay the flipping game so that you know people don't get all burnt out and stuff. Yeah. We'll just have to wait and see. I was kind of surprised
1: to find this around Naughty Dog, it's
0: all. Yeah, it is really disappointing to find that, though. Yeah, because I wouldn't expect it,
1: because these guys are always super humble and super thankful of Sony when uh, when they receive an award. And they're like, well, oh, I want to thank Sony, and everyone, everybody's Sony. And are like, hey, I wouldn't want my name to be associated with a studio that has poor working conditions.
0: Yeah, well, that's basic platitudes when it comes to award shows, but maybe that's the reason why we still haven't seen the last of us part two maybe this is something that happened maybe this is a cult maybe the culture is changing in naughty dog and we're seeing the results of it with no actual dates for the last of us part two maybe not who knows we won't know until the game comes out and even then we won't know until maybe months or years after
1: I think uh, we're going to get a release date for uh, The Last of Us this year, and it's probably going to come out early 2019, because Neil Druckmann, the, one of the directors on the game, said that they're in the finishing stages of uh, The Last of Us. So they've gone to the point in which they need to just finish the game instead of build the game. So. I believe, for example, all the voice acting and the, and the performance capture is all done, so they just need oh, to ship the I'm game. pretty
0: sure that stuff like, was done months ago.
1: Yeah, they posted ago. it on Twitter that, uh, I don't know if it was this year that they posted it on Twitter saying, hey, we're in the final stretches of the game, we just need to finish this game, and then it's going to come out. So I think early 2019, February, March, or five I mean, early 2020. Ah, sorry, early 2020, uh, February, March, then we're going to be able to play this game, finally. Yeah.
0: Well, we'll see until that time. But uh, that's it for the news that is the news for this episode. Stick around, guys, and we'll be right back with what we've been playing. And welcome back to Game Rifles. in our next segment, what we've been playing. Sean Templar, what have you been playing, my good sir?
1: Um, I have been playing a few games more than last time. Ah, I've, uh, yeah, I've uh, <laughs> finished Detroit Become Human. Nice. Yeah, I, I really like
0: that game. How many percent? Um,
1: I just finished it once. So I'm going to go back and finish it a second time because I just okay. want to see all the endings. Mm. But what I love about the game is that the game is built around choice. So uh, based on the choices you make, of course, you get completely different branches. And then uh, as I discussed at the end of each mission, you see a flowchart of where the game took you and what you missed. And in some cases, you, I saw that I really missed huge parts. And um, what I really liked is that I was talking about with a different colleague. Uh, he was playing the game as well. And we had completely different endings. We had completely different moments. He was like, oh, okay, what did you do then? i was like, oh, I did this. And what did you do? i was like, I did that. And, oh, that's completely different than what I had, you know. And that's really cool, being able to share this experience and that he has a completely different story and an experience and than I had. I told him, yeah, if you make this choice, and that happens. But that's probably different because you got this, you know. And it's really cool. The only thing he mentioned, he said that the... the, the Because the game is so focused on choice that sometimes there are these plot holes that are just strange. And when I thought about it, I I thought, yeah, you're actually right. Because there are instances in which if you think back, you're you're thinking about, okay, but that doesn't make sense. Or why would they do that? Or why would one of the in-game characters do this? Because it just doesn't make sense based on the reactions they
0: give. Do you have some early game examples that you could give us?
1: I can. I'm just afraid that I'm going to spoil it for people who are going to play the game. Are you ever going to play the game?
0: Oh, I'm going to... Uh, yes, I'm uh, because I have it on PlayStation Plus, so I'm eventually going to play okay. it. Okay, then I don't... I think my I my don't, focus is on one of the games that I'm going to be talking about later on. So. I,
1: I don't want to spoil it for you then, but because it's something you find out in the end, towards the end of the game. But when you think about it, it ha- if there's something that happens in the beginning, you're thinking, okay, but... This doesn't make sense. Why would the character do this? Because it doesn't add up, you know? It's really vague, but if, if I can only explain it by spoiling it. And if you're going to play it, I don't want to spoil it. Nah, fair. Yeah, but just to say that like, it's a really good game. I loved it. And I'll probably go back again and play it again. I don't know if I'll do it now. I just have to find the time for it.
0: How many endings does that game have?
1: Um, I don't know the exact amount, but there was, for example, a part in which I was looking through a guide and I saw all sorts of different things happening. And I'm like, okay, that's good to know. You know, I, I missed out on this whole part, which is really nice, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's that's cool. I rem- like, Back in the day when I played Heavy Rain on PS3, I played it till I got a Platinum. I don't know if I'm going to Platinum this game, but
0: uh, who knows? Uh,
1: to be continued.
0: One more question. Do they go full Blade Runner?
1: Uh, which, with in what do you mean with Do they go full, full Blade Runner?
0: Where they come well, in the sense that you know how Blade Runner ends, right?
1: It's been a while since I've
0: watched Blade Runner. Okay, so, all right. I know this is a very old movie, but spoiler alert for a very old movie. <laughs> um, basically, the um, ah, good grief, what are they called again? Replicants, um, they, I believe? Yeah, the replicants, uh, like this really small group of replicants develop emotions and they go rogue um, and they try to take down the Tyrell Corporation. And this is why you should be careful when you're playing with AI people because they can go complete bad crazy and go after their creators and kill them. At the end of the movie, they only one of them is left and there's just like this drawn out um battle between um the 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 blade runner you know the one that takes them down and the replicant leader and well the replicant leader ends up dying in quotes um but not because of the cop but because of the um because well they were they were dying, essentially, and that was the main problem. They wanted to become more than just replicants. They wanted to become human to prevent themselves from dying because their system, their, their series of replicants were flawed. So
1: to answer yeah. the question, yeah, they do feel emotion. That's what causes them to become a deviant. And yeah, there's some kind of uprising.
0: But um, they don't all die, at least not from your ending then.
1: Uh, no, but they could. Everybody can die. Huh. Yeah, yeah, because uh, that's yeah. There's a good ending. There's a bad ending. There's one character, for example, he died early on in my story. And when I was talking to his friend, he said, "Oh well, he died middle in the story." So there are multiple ways or parts that a character can die. Hmm. I think there was even a trophy. Make sure that everybody reaches the end, or make sure nobody survives till the end. Yeah. Hmm. So besides Detroit, I played, uh, there was a patch for Battlefield 5 that came out this week, so it fixed a lot of those issues. So, ah, uh, cool. <laughs> I played some Battlefield and I was happy all over again. Uh, there's a, was
0: it, was it, was it working Chief?
1: Ah, oh, I loved it. Oh man. Oh, it was so good. Oh, there were these moments in, uh, there's a map called Twisted Steel and there's this huge bridge and part of the bridge is blown out and sunken in. So you can climb onto the bridge and then there's a part where you can fight on the bridge. And you can approach that point from two sides. And there was this point that I just climbed up to the bridge and I was sneaking along the sides, killing a lot of people. I killed five or six people in one life. And then eventually I saw a tank and then I shot my Panzerfaust at the tank and I blew it up. So I got the tank kill and people inside. And then I got killed. I got revived and I saw another tank and I did the same trick. I shot my Panzerfaust at it. But it wasn't enough, so I just said kamikaze mode, and I just screamed kamikaze, and I ran at the tank, threw some dynamite on the tank, and just before they were able to shoot me, I just blew the tank up with dynamite, killing myself in the process, but I didn't really care because I got the guy, and then I got revived again, and I just kept on killing people. If people that play with me know that I'm a kamikaze guy, I just sometimes just scream and shout, and I'm like kamikaze, and I just run at a tank, and I just blow it up. And generally, 9 out of 10 times, I blow that guy up yeah it's really fun um so yeah i played battlefield and uh, they're gonna release a new map the marita map next week and then there's one map called el sudan which is actually supposed to be already live already which is going to come after that because it has a game breaking bug mm-hmm. and then uh, in the weeks to come dice will give us more and in october we'll get operation underground which is a operation metro remake which is a really great map from battlefield 3 and then hopefully after that we'll get the Pacific finally. And then I played Anno 1800. I don't know yeah, if you...
0: you talked about it. Wait, didn't you talk about it the last time too? Ah uh, no. Oh no! Wait, it was a hidden gem. No, it wasn't. No.
1: I I talked about saying that it was a game I got for free with my SSD and I had to redeem the code and I got the
0: game that's why yeah yeah yeah,
1: yeah. I finally got the code and uh I played it and this is my first time playing an NO game and funny as it sounds but it's uh it's really similar to a game I used to play like 10 years ago on my old PC was called uh, Master of Olympus was made by the same developers behind Caesar it was a publisher called Sierra which doesn't exist anymore sierra yeah it's uh, one of those uh city building games kind of like civilization but really focused on the civil on the city building so you go to uh the caribbean and then you colonize an island and then on the island you have to build a whole, a whole city and then uh, you have to lure villagers to your settlement and then they have needs such as food or clothing or entertainment you build up that and it's, it's really fun. I didn't expect it to be that, but it's really, really fun. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: I actually, because I, I know the series, and I thought it was a wayfaring game. So basically, I, I, because I thought it was more about, um, uh, you know, sail, sailing the old trade routes and building your economy and stuff like that. That's what I thought that that was. But from based on what I've played,
1: it, it probably that economy building is probably in there and it's far more expansive than I'm telling right now. I only played like an hour of it. I played a multiplayer campaign with friends of mine, but I don't know how the game works. I know the mechanics because they really look familiar based on the other game I mentioned. Mm-hmm. So I still have to put some hours into it. But yeah, my time is completely divided between playing Total War, Three Kingdoms, and something else that's trying to take up my time, but I haven't found anything yet. All right. Yeah. Cool. So I played that. And then I, I really want to start playing Formula 1 2019 again. So I think I'm going to do that in the coming days.
0: And is that a new season?
1: I think so. There was a big update that came out last week that, uh, that balanced the cars out more. So what happens when the game is in development, they grab the performance of the cars from a certain point And then halfway through the, when the game comes out, they balance the cars based on the real world performance. And there's some positive uh, sounds coming from the community that uh, in some cases, cars are up to a second faster, which is a lot in Formula One. The funny thing is that um, I'm seeing videos online on YouTube around uh, if you play enough seasons of Formula One, the drivers also shift to different teams, but you get the most strangest of combinations, like the top tier drivers in the real world move to low spec teams, for example, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's super strange. Yeah, for example, cars that are mid- midfield teams, midfield cars, are becoming the fastest cars in the game. <laughs> it's really funny. I don't know if they're doing it on deliberate, on purpose, the developers, but for example, I saw a video in which Sebastian Vettel, which is one of the better drivers in Formula 1, he just suddenly moves to uh, Alfa Romeo, which is a midfield team. Um, Lewis Hamilton moves to... Uh, to another crazy team, you would never expect him to go. For example, he would go to Red Bull and then Max Verstappen would move to Mercedes and uh, uh, Charles Leclerc would move to like a smaller... It's so strange. Like, for example, Kevin Magnussen, which is a driver for Haas, which is also a midfield team, he would suddenly be driving for Ferrari. So these the most unpredictable combinations occur, something which would probably never happen in real life are happening in this game. <laughs>
0: and it makes it fun in a way, but it's also really strange in a way. <laughs> yeah. Do they, so if they make the shift, do they perform better or worse?
1: Um, in some cases, they, the, the, it's different because, for example, uh, some cars perform a whole lot better and some cars are maybe scaled back to per- reflect their real-world performance. I, I kind of miss something which they, what for example EA and I don't know if they still do it, but what EA used to do with FIFA was that if a if a match was played in real life, if a player would get uh, injured, then your player would also get injured. So it would pull real life data, real world data. Formula One doesn't do that, but I think that if they were to do that, that would make things so much more. Awesome and realistic because they're just pulling. If they would pull real world data out of the uh, the real races, that would make it a whole lot better. But who knows? Maybe next year.
0: Yeah, I mean, for for a sim game, that makes sense for them to do that. Um Any sim game, really, FIFA, Madden, whatever, like Formula One. Yeah. Um, I've I've always said that EA should basically what they should do is release a base game. At the start of every generation, and just update it through patches and stuff, and just the expansion blur. packs or whatnot, and, and maybe expansion packs. Yes, yeah, but not release a game every year. I know that there are some countries out there that don't have a good internet, or and that's you know that's not cool if they have to rely on an online patch. You can still have the yearly stuff for those regions. Yeah, just don't. Nickel and dime the people that have the capability to have live updates just because you can. Yeah. You know? But yeah, that's just
1: me. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it would be better if they made one Call of Duty game and patched the shit out of that game until it would be something completely different. It also frees up some more time to experiment on a game instead of having the same formula with just a different skin on it. I do hope that modern warfare is going to be awesome. Cause I'm really looking forward to that one, but that's a different story.
0: Yeah. indeed.
1: Yeah. And yeah, the last thing I've been doing is still growing China larger, but oh, no. my uh, campaign is coming to an end. I'm 60 hours in and, uh, <laughs> I've basically completed my campaign, but, uh, if I want, I can try to achieve total dominance, which I'm basically going to try to do, but I've finished my first campaign with 60 hours on the clock. And, uh, it was a really intense campaign. Some tears were shed with my enemies. I looked up my statistics, but under my command, fifty thousand people died. My own army, Ooh. and I slaughtered one hundred and three thousand people in response.
0: <laughs> oh God! So How would you uh, use that word. <laughs>
1: because i you want me to do this again because no, i no, no, no. want to no, unify no. china and i finally unified china so you know sometimes <laughs> you just have to make a few sacrifices the ends justify the means and i'll leave it at that but anyways china has been unified i've brought order and peace so we can move on
0: <laughs> all, right. <laughs> all right
1: that's, that's it for know, me <laughs> yeah yeah that's it
0: okay well, let's move on to something that you've been requesting for a long time, and a lot of people have been wondering. But uh, as of this week, I've finally beaten the main campaign of Horizon Zero Dawn. Woo! <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was heavy. I can imagine it was heavy. I um, honestly, I'm actually kind of glad that I've only finished it now for a couple of reasons. Um, But the main reason is I was able to absorb everything the game threw at me. And not rush through... Rush Rush through... Wow.
1: Rush through it. Thank you. No problem. You almost sound emotional when you're talking about this journey you had with Horizon Zero Dawn. Easy, Chief.
0: Um, It was a a good ride. I will say that it was a good ride. But I love that I was able to take the time and actually absorb it all. because the game's story is a compelling one um mild very mild spoilers ahead uh when you start the game of course uh you're in this post-apocalyptic world as uh, the little girl aloy and you find this little device called the focus which is a ancient device which is of course highly advanced because It's from a bygone age that was more advanced than they are now because video games and media. Um, But yeah, just the whole journey that Aloy takes, the finding out where she comes from because she wasn't born the natural way. She just, the mountain cried, as they say in the game. And well, there she was, a baby. (laughs) <laughs> called Eloy.
1: That sounds And they're like,
0: "Oh, this baby is cursed, so we make her an outcast." He's an outcast. Oh. Yeah. And and this guy takes care of him. His name is Rost. Ah. Oh, it's R- R- Rost, man. Is it that, 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 uh, that is such a sad 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 ending to that guy. Kind of reminds me of um this past season of Stranger Things if you haven't seen it already. If you have seen Stranger Things, season three already, you know what I'm talking about. Um, if you haven't, then go watch Stranger Things. But from that point on, it's just an emotional roller coaster of finding out where Aloy came from, where she belongs in this post-apocalyptic world, what this post-apocalyptic world even is and how it came to be. And let me just say, wow, um yeah we kind of probably need to keep a very close eye on Elon Musk. Yeah, that, because, that's uh,
1: kind of creepy.
0: Because, yeah, they have a Elon Musk kind of equivalent guy in this game called Ted Farrow. Um, light spoilers, by the way. Um, but basically, um, he's the guy that messes up the world and brings the human race to extinction, essentially. Um and then you later find out that well, if the human race is supposed to be extinct, how are there humans around? And you find out why there's humans around, and you also find out why the humans are the way they are, and you find out that there's just so many things that just any almost everything that could go wrong during such a um what do you, a, a turmoil time of humanity went wrong. The only thing that essentially went right is the fact that the human genome was preserved and certain animals were preserved. It also explains the reason why you only find stuff like rabbits and boars and turkeys and raccoons and like some certain, a certain amount of fish in the world. There are also goats because in everything- the game.
1: Hmm? There are also goats
0: in the game. There, oh yeah, you're right. There are also goats in the game, but you, considering how big the world is, you would expect more animal types. You know, there are no cows. Maybe that's there, the reason why
1: we have these
0: machine animals. Yeah, they take they take the place of the. And your favorite other, uh, machine
1: animals called the Glint Hawks.
0: Oh, I hate those things. Those things can go seriously go extinct and die and rust on a pile of you euc- Ugh, Glint Hawks. Wow. I'm sorry. There There are certain kind of enemies in games that I hate really with a passion. Glint Hawks is one of them. Because whenever there's a mission with a Glint Hawk, it's annoying because those stupid little things fly all around shooting ice projectiles towards you, so you slow down. Then you have to use the anti-freezing potion so that you don't slow down. And they move around the whole time, so you have to constantly aim around. Ugh! Those things, seriously. And they always come in a freaking pack. Why? Fly alone so I can just down you and be done with it. Ugh! I mean, I'd rather... I'd rather take on a Thunderjaw than take on a pack of Glintogs. (laughs) And if you've seen Thunderjaws and you've seen what they can do, yeah. Yeah, those things are badasses, but they do not compare uh, versus a pack of Glintogs. Ugh. But, all that said, the ending, yo, what an ending. Yeah, right? Man, the, the whole the final chapter is just one protracted fight. Because you start off with the leader of the... Could you even... No, they call it a cult, so, yeah, cult. The leader of the evil cults. you finally take him down, and then you get to... Then you have to get to, like, the final boss battle area, but... First, you have to hold back up. You, you get a part that's kind of like a horde mode. And um, yeah, it, it you, you do that. You get through it. Um, you get to the final boss. And that boss, wow, yo, that's a really good boss battle. Kind of hectic, but a really good boss battle because you have to actually use everything that you've learned throughout the game to use to your advantage, to take the boss down. And the ending is so good. And I don't want to spoil anything, but there is one last last cutscene in that game that makes me go, you son of a bee. Yeah. Oh, you. Oh, we're not done with you, are you? Oh, we're not done with you yet. So yeah. I'm curious. Here's hoping I'm- they're working on Horizon
1: Zero Dawn 2 for the new PlayStation.
0: Well, considering that they're working on Death Stranding, probably not. Uh, Death Stranding so. is a Kojima Productions uh, game. Yeah, but they are working with Guerrilla Games to get the game done. They're using their tech. Yeah. The Horizon Zero Dawn engine is the engine being used. For yeah, yeah, but
1: I don't think Guerrilla really is focusing their efforts
0: on. I mean, no, of course not. But considering how long Death Stranding took to make, I'm assuming that a whole big task force from Guerrilla Games worked on that game. So. So yeah, um, the other reason why I made sure that I finished Horizon Zero Dawn this week was because of a game that came out this Friday that we actually talked about in the first segment. Fire Emblem Three Houses, or as the internet likes to call it, Fire Emblem Harry Potter Edition. It's the best Harry Potter game out there. That's what I read. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes, especially after the mobile game that just came out, which is literally a copy-paste of Pokemon Go. Um, with just a lot more whistles and bells to it. That, honestly, in my opinion, are not as awesome. Um, are we talking yeah, about Harry this...
1: Potter or uh, Fire Emblem?
0: Uh, well, Harry Potter, but the the mobile game, uh, nobody cares. Um, but yeah, Fire Emblem Three Houses. I bought it yesterday, and I've been playing it for about ten hours now. And oh man, there's I don't even know where to begin. First of all, the presentation is just gorgeous. I mean, it has to be because this is the first time we're playing Fire Emblem on console since the Wii. So this is the first HD Fire Emblem, and it shows. The character models are realistically proportioned versus the Chibi models that we had on the 3DS. Um, Everything is voice acted. Like, every line is spoken. There is no part where where it's just text and people mouthing with the text. Every line of dialogue is spoken, and the game comes in English and in Japanese voiceover. So take your pick, especially if you're one of those uh, Weebo's out there like me, who likes playing their Japanese game in Japanese. This game is very anime, especially when you turn it to the Japanese voiceover. Uh, the presentation is very anime, but the game's presentation has been very anime for a long time since the Game Boy Advance, I want to say. No, actually, since its inception, like the game's aesthetics has always been a lot of a very anime inspired, but more inspired with the time that they make the game. So, for example, the first game really feels like a Fire Emblem game that was made in the 80s. Versus now, Three Houses, that feels like an anime game that was made in 2019. And it is very cool. If you've played a Persona game, you also have stuff where you can interact with your um, army, well, your army, your students. Um, I'm still at the early part, so they're still your students. Um, After a while, there's going to be a a five-year jump where they actually all grow up. And your students become actual, you know, warriors. And it's the it's a whole thing. So I'm still in the early parts of the game. And just, ah, uh, so, so many fun characters in there. The battle mechanic has been refined to a T. And it just feels more immersive. Because, you know, in the old games, you couldn't really represent a whole army. So they didn't. But within this game, you can actually see... The army, when the game zooms in into the action, oh, that's nice. I'll send you some clips. It looks really cool. It just, ah, the game is, and the music. Oh, oh, I think I'm going to, I'm going to call it now. Best soundtrack of 2019 in a video game. Farm from Three Houses. I dare anyone to mention anything that is better. Yes, even, even, Cadence of Hyrule, which has an amazing soundtrack and is a rhythm game of all things, this still has a better soundtrack.
1: <laughs> I'm uh, holding up my money for uh, Death Stranding.
0: Uh, honestly, I part of me, well, part of me wants you to actually experience Fire Emblem because I think of all the Fire Emblems that came out in the past ten years, with the exception of Fire Emblem echoes that came out on the 3ds this is probably the next best fire emblem to get into because it's a clean start it's a new region um that has never been brought up in any of the other games so the the kingdoms are new the characters are new you don't have to worry about lore stuff or anything like that and if you're not into the whole anime stuff you can of course choose the english voiceovers. But ah it's like the, the game is so good i've i've been playing it a friend of mine you know you know him my best friend um jay witz uh no not jay um, that's not jay, prof. jay prof sorry jay Witts is a youtuber <laughs> they have similar screen names so i get them confused sometimes but jay prof uh yeah he's he's been playing it as well he bought it digitally i bought it um retail and we've basically been going back and forth with our experience because he chose a different house than me. Okay. I chose, I chose the Black Eagles, which has a lot of what, which has a lot of magic users. I, I'm an RPG guy, so I love magic users. He bought, uh, he bought. I mean, he's uh, he chose the um, dang it was good, the Blue Lions. Um, which basically to him has the least dopey-looking characters. <laughs> <age>. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you, it's really cool because you can recruit students from other houses to yours. So if there are students that have abilities that you like and would want in your class, you can recruit them and actually have them uh, join your ranks. So switch them over. You can even hire them for... For uh for a campaign, and they'll just be there temporarily during the battles, so yeah it's yeah it's oh man, what else uh well, I already talked about the presentation um the story I will have to say this the story is a little bit slow, uh starting off because the real good stuff happens in part two of the game, which I haven't gotten to yet um j prof is a bit closer to it than I am. Um, but, yeah, um, that is going to be my next focus for a while. And considering that most reviews top one single campaign as somewhere between the 60 to 70 hours, and there are three campaigns, <laughs> you can imagine how that's going to go, which is kind of awkward because I also started playing uh, the DLC for, for uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, so, God. You are know. you going
1: to drag this on for months as well before you finish that?
0: Well, at least I finished the main game, so you know that's the, that's the important part. Yeah, but yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of been it for me these past couple of weeks. I mean, I played some little games here and there, but I I felt that one I owed you guys a report on Horizon Zero Dawn. Now that I finally finished it, and I just had to share the magic and love and awesomeness that is Fire Emblem Three Hours. Nice, cool. So um, with that. Uh, we've come to the end of this segment. Stick around, and we're going to be talking about some sweet, sweet hidden gems.
1: Alrighty, everybody. Welcome back to the last segment, the hidden gems. gems. Maybe we should make a jingle out of
0: that. Or or someone could make a jingle out of for us. Um, I mean, I could try and make a jingle, but I'm going to be honest. I'm not a musician. uh, Same here. If there
1: are any musicians listening and they want to offer us a jingle, that'd be so cool. And we
0: will mention your name, if that helps you. We will definitely mention you on the podcast. Uh, If you have those kind of skills and would like to contribute to the podcast, please send us an inquiry to... GameRivalFeedback GameRivalsFeedback at gmail.com Or drop me a line on Twitter at Maximilian I think the email address is easier than your Twitter handle
1: (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, what is your hidden gem for this week?
0: Yeah, so this week I'm finally stepping off the written game tangent and actually talking about something else a puzzle game puzzle platformer um yeah let's go with puzzle platformer called super monkey ball hey heard of it i know that one yeah so super monkey ball um is a game that came out on gamecube way back in the day i think it was in i i want to say 2002 i forgot to look up the year that it came out um but basically, it's a very unique game where you play as one of five, four monkeys. Uh, I, I, um, I forgot the girl's name. Mimi, um, Baby, and uh, Goro, or Gon? He's a gorilla, so, you know, puns. Um, but yeah, you're basically a monkey in a ball, hence the name, Super Monkey Ball. Uh, where you have to collect a certain amount of bananas from the, from the level and then pass through the goal. And the levels start out very simple. And here's the fun part. You don't control the monkey. You control the level. You use the analog stick to tilt the level so that the monkey and the ball rolls into the direction that you want. And you can't jump because again they're in a ball so how on earth are you gonna jump well you're in a ball if you've ever been in those you know those big rubber ball things that people can be as suspended in yeah yeah it's basically kind of like that but without the restraints so when you go really so when the monkeys go really fast they are plastered on the like the inner wall of the ball Ah. of the uh, in the wall of the ball. And nice. You just see them going super fast, and you suddenly start to think, isn't this animal abuse, and why hasn't PETA said anything about this yet? <laughs> <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, it basically it starts off, like any puzzle game, it starts you off easy, and then gets progressively more and more difficult. I mean, there are levels where you have to tightrope the ever-living crap out of the ball, so that your monkey doesn't fall off, which is very sad, because then they fall off, they scream to their <laughs> they scream to their dooms, and the announcer just goes out of bounds, it's like with this really upbeat voice and super crazy. And the whole game is like super cheery, by the way. It is very, it is very vivid. The colors are very vivid. The presentation is very vivid, and it's all just. Fun in games, but it is monkeys and balls just rolling around at the speed of sound, which is uh, appropriate since it's Sega that made the game. Not just that. um, If you've ever played the Yakuza games, if you've ever seen the guy that produces and directs those games, he looks like he could be of the Yakuza because he's like super tan and always wears sunglasses and you wouldn't expect that that guy would be uh, a game developer, but he is. That same guy directed Super Monkey Ball. Wow. So the guy who brought you Kiryu, and a lot of ass-kicking, also gave us monkeys in balls. Hey, I like
1: uh, Kiryu What is his name? Kiryu Kazuma? Kiryu Kazuma. Kazuma, yeah. yeah I played uh, Yakuza Kiwami, and I'm looking forward to the second one. I still need to buy that one, but... Uh... Hey, go uh, Jaguza team.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's a really fun game. And it's not just like the main game is, you know, reaching the end and just in and, and, and record time, of course. And, man, seriously, I will say this. If you want to see game footage of this game, look up speedruns for this game because people are ridiculously, like, speedrunners of this game are so amazing. You'll just be, like, in awe. Of their of their skills, it's really fun to watch a speed run of the games. But of course, it is not just that. It also has a bunch of mini games, and honestly, those are really entertaining because they. Have, I think the original game had four. I think four four mini games. One was called Monkey Target, where you um, get shot off of a ramp. And then you open the ball. The ball basically becomes like this glider. And you have to land the monkey on a target, which gets difficult because, again, they're in a ball. When they land, the ball closes and it rolls a little bit. So there's momentum on when you land. Um, What else? So there's monkey target. There's monkey bowling, where exactly as the title says, you bowl with the monkeys. The monkeys are still in the ball. And you rev them up and then you throw them to 10 pins to get a strike okay <laughs> And then my there's one more, but I forgot what that even was but then there's the last one which is my personal favorite, which is monkey fight where the balls have this extendo arm glove on it, and you have to punch your monkey uh, you have to punch the opponent's monkey out of the ring and there are multiple power-ups that you can get throughout the gameplay, one where it spins the the glove around so you basically become invincible, and one that stretches your, your glove even further, one that makes your glove super big so that you can give them one bop out of the ring and it is a hoot. I mean, the game the series has been around for quite some time and the fourth entry which came out on the Wii Uh, Super Monkey Ball Banana Blitz is getting an HD release on PC, Playstation 4 and Nintendo Switch sometime later this year so if you can't get the GameCube version which I still recommend getting because it is the only one that has the mini game Monkey Fight you can also always pick up the HD re-release of Banana Blitz sometime later this year okay
1: sounds like a lot of fun
0: it is. Like if you play the like the multiplayer is a lot of fun because all the mini games are multiplayer and the single player is of course a nice challenge. So, yeah, again, if you're looking forward to it and you want to see some really cool gameplay uh videos of it, look up speedruns. They're always amazing to watch.
1: It sounds like a real party game. I'm surprised that uh is there like a switch variant of the game besides what you just mentioned, or something?
0: Besides the remake, not yet. As far as I can tell, as far as I, as far as anyone can tell, this remake is probably just to gauge interest in the whole property. Because, well, after also not really sure why they're release, they're doing a HD release of this one, but after Banana Blitz came out. They came out with a bunch of other Monkey Ball games on mobile and on other platforms and on, again, on Wii and other platforms, PlayStation 3 and stuff. And they weren't that good, so people stopped playing them. So Sega lost interest for a really long time, and this is the first time they've shown any interest in the Monkey Ball IPs for, I want to say, at least five years? so maybe longer yeah I want to say longer because I think the last real serious thing that they did was for uh, a mobile version of the game which I never played because I didn't own a smartphone back then so you can imagine how long that one must have been (laughs) so yeah okay that's my hidden gem nice uh
1: Well, it's my turn now. Mm -hmm. Um, My hidden gem is a game called A Way Out.
0: Really? Yeah. Ah, Wow. Why is that? Because um, how to put this? EA pulled
1: a surprising move with that game, which people will be surprised by and also it's just a fun game to play. So for people that don't know, A Way Out is a game developed by the makers of Brothers A Tale of Two Sons, I believe it's called. Let me just Oh yeah, you're right, it is. Yeah, and some people might remember one of the game's directors called Joseph Faris. (laughs) If they
0: they frequent the video game awards, then yes. (laughs) If you
1: watch the game awards, this is a guy that dropped a lot of F-bombs, said F the Oscars, this is where it all happens, this is the shit. Um, Jeff Keighley was really caught off guard by his over-enthusiastic rant, I think. Mm-hmm. and it, it's really funny. You should look it up, Joseph Farris Game Awards. That guy just goes hammer, goes nuts, and that's super cool. But he's the director of the game, and what the game is about is that um, you play as two characters that are in prison, and they meet each other in prison. They, The friendship slash a brothership develops, and um, one of the characters is... Uh, of, as going to be a father and another of the characters is like this really brute force grunt and you want to get out of prison and hold your firstborn which is not born yet at that time um, and then you go on this crazy journey what, the fun part about the whole game is that you have to play the game in co-op there is no way to play the game in single player the whole game is built around co-op So you have to use the other player to progress in the level, um, otherwise you just can't play the game.
0: And couch or online. Yeah,
1: and here's the surprise move that EA pulled with everybody. There, only one person has to buy the game, and the other person can play for free because there's this friends pass option. So all the other, all the, the only thing the other player has to do is download the demo. Oh. And then. I can send you an invite through the friend's pass and then you can play the whole game for free with me. That's, that's how oh. I played the game.
0: Okay. Yeah, and that's nice.
1: that's a surprising move because I, I think in, in a million years, no one would have expected EA to pull this move and be so generous, but they did.
0: I think this... Considering that it's a strictly two-player game, they had no other choice than to do it that way. It's either that or sell everybody like to uh, like a bundle copy which is kind of pointless so yeah. I go through the hassle and just make sure that everybody has at least a copy of it yeah but i i was surprised
1: and the game is it doesn't last that super long it's maybe like a 6 to 8 hour experience but it's a really cool experience because it puts a humane face on criminals i would say it because mm. you're basically criminals but it paints a really human story that For example, the Grunt you play as, the characters are called Vincent and Leo, and uh, Leo is the Grunt, and Vincent is the guy that's gonna be a father. And Leo helps him break out, and you find out that Leo also has a family, and he has a son, and you look them up as well. And um, there's a whole different side to because the way you see Leo is this this big, bad, masculine masculine guy who just uses brute force to get out of every situation. And then when you fight for meet his family, you have this shocking moment in which like, hey, okay, this guy's also humane. His son really misses him, his wife struggles with that. He's in prison. You know, they put her face on criminals. They say, like, hey, criminals are humans too. Um, and it's cool because the game is structured around this co-op play, so you also have choices that you have to make. So sometimes you have to decide or the other player has to decide in which direction you're gonna come move or what you're gonna do. If you want to kill a certain enemy, or if you want to stun the enemy, um, there's this stupid mini game in the game, or it's not actually. It's part of the story where you have to catch fish to survive, and then one has to go into the water and then wave his arm so that he pushes the fish into a certain direction, and then the other can kill the fish with a makeshift spear out of uh, <laughs> a a, a, bre- a tree branch, um, you know. But there's also this part in which, for example you have to, when you're trying to break out, you do it in multiple days because you play a part and you encounter an obstacle and either you can pass the obstacle, you need a tool to get past the obstacle. So you come back later with the tool to get past that obstacle. But for example, there's this part in which you have to climb up a wall. And the way you climb up the wall is you turn around, you push each other's backs against each other, and you try to use your legs to climb up the Ah, wall and there's a mini game mechanic there in which you have to move your legs in the right moment because if you don't move it in the right pace then you
0: just you fall down you fall down and you die yeah so wow dang
1: (laughs) yeah so it's it's a really cool game that's focused around co-op and the funny thing is in the previous generation of consoles co-op play was huge every game would have drop-in co-op as they would call it it was a yeah, huge push in, out, yeah it was a it was a huge push and then at the end it kind of started to fade away and this generation there aren't a lot of co-op games and that's why this game is so cool that there's just either couch co-op or online co-op and there's um there are also different endings and the ending that i had uh, i kind of got mad at the ending so the the, the friend i was playing it with in the beginning, I would just get mad at him and I would call him out and said, yeah, I knew this was going to happen. And I would call him by his in-game name as he was playing as... A as uh, Vincent, and I was Leo. said, like, you betrayed me, Vincent, you did this to me, and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, no, no, I never intended to do that. I said, well, you're probably going to betray me in real life as well. I'll just always be ready, you know, waiting for you to backstab me. He's like, no, no, I didn't mean oh, to do it like that. Queen, you. It was, it's it's <laughs> fun. It's a really good game. I think it's around, I, I, from the launch, it's been a game that's around 30 bucks. You know, maybe it's cheaper now. If you want to experience a really cool co-op game, play the game. You know, it looks nice. It plays nice. It's a really fun experience to have.
0: Cool, yeah, good to know. Yeah, that's my hint. I, I, because I, I do remember seeing the trailer back then. And honestly, I'm surprised that they actually invited the director back for last year's game. Oh game. my god, that guy is so crazy. Gamer. But at least he was more um aware. I think <laughs> so I guess to, the best way to say it. they had to but, constrain uh, the guy a lot because um, yeah. you know
1: there were moments where he was trying to kind of go all bananas again and they were like no no no, no. we're not going to do this this time just you yeah. know calm down and stick to the script
0: yeah, he's, a, he's enthusiastic about uh, his, his craft which is nice to see he's a film
1: director and if you say F the Oscars I don't know what your chances will be of directing another movie
0: I honestly don't think that he cares about that anymore well, probably not <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's, yeah, I totally want to check it out now.
1: Uh, maybe we can uh, play it and do a video around it. People can see us scream at each other and play the game.
0: Yeah, oh, that's actually a good one. Yeah, I just came up with it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Cool. Anything else to add about uh, A Way Out?
1: Now I'm gonna leave it at that. Just experience this for yourself; you won't regret it. And it's a it's it's really easy, it's cheap to pick up. So yeah, you know, it's a no brainer. If you really want to play a game together with a friend, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whoever, your cat, your dog,
0: whatever, just buy this game and play it. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure how all the other uncles are gonna be useful, but sure. <laughs> Where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, eh, true. Well, with that, we've reached the end of another Game Arrivals episode. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we really app- appreciate you guys for listening, to tuning in to us uh, every other week. Um, we'd like for, uh, for you to share this love with other people that you know. Um, you can always uh, listen to us on any podcasting uh, ser- service, be it Apple Podcasts, be it Google Play Store, it's Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast. Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasting needs, we'll probably be there. Um, you can also find us online uh, on Twitter on at game underscore, underscore rivals underscore. You can find me on at Maximilian. Um, shout outs to uh, Beatmall, uh, uh, at Beatmall1 on Twitter, who made our amazing uh, podcast cover art which you're seeing right now um, shoutouts to him he's amazing um, you can always send us your feedback at, game at um you can also leave us a voice message uh, by using the link in the description of this episode um, you don't need an anchor account to uh, post anything just click on the link you can leave us a voice message and I want to give you guys a little bit of a challenge with this one. Um, tell us one of your hidden gems through a voice message. And if we get enough, we might actually do a little featurette and have you guys also voice your, one of your uh, hidden gems. Try to keep it under uh, two, three minutes so that we can feature more of you guys. Uh, during an episode, and uh, yeah, maybe we can start featuring guys, you guys on our episodes as well. That would be so cool. Yeah. And look forward to any future stuff that we're going to be doing. Um, hopefully starting this fall, we will have some cool things to announce. So keep an eye on uh, all the social media things that I've already mentioned before. And uh, yeah, from uh, all of us at Game Rivals, once again, Thank you so much for listening to us. Please share the love. Give us um uh, reviews on, of course, all the podcast services. That's the way we uh, get noticed by other people that are looking for awesome game-related podcasts. And uh I guess that's it. Anything else you want to share with the lovely people, Sean Templar? I think you said
1: everything I wanted to say. So I, I say what I will always say, thank you for listening. And tell at least one person about us so we can grow this beautiful audience into a bigger one.
0: Yeah, I hear that. So this has been Maximilian X. And Sean Templer. Signing off. Have a good one.